0: We're going to wrap up actually our margin series today as we get ready to head into what we're going to call history makers after this weekend and look at people just like you and me that made a mark on human history for the cause of Christ. You know, a lot of times we, we think of the apostles or we think of historical figures throughout the, you know, the time since Jesus, and, and what we don't realize is they were just like us. And they, they had that faith that Sam was talking about today that, that just activated God's work that was already within them to do something that they could never do in and of themselves. And so we want to inspire out of today, you know, to see history makers in this house and actually, you know, raised up and actually see the ones that are not even yet here. You know, we're going to start to pray between now and our Easter Sunday services for those future history makers And you'll be hearing more about that next weekend It's going to be amazing So I was, I was thinking this As we jump into the word of the Lord today That I'm calling into the darkness um, I was thinking about the, And this is actually even in my message But I was thinking about when Jesus You know when he said I am the way, the truth And the life And no one comes unto the Father Except through me Do you remember that? And on the book end of, of that statement, on the front side, you've got Peter saying, well, Lord, I know the way, and I'm going to follow you even to my death if, if necessary. And on the other side, you've got uh, Doubting Thomas, right? You know, just doesn't even know anything about the way that he's supposed to go, saying, Lord, show me the Father, show me the Father. Or I don't know where we're going. And you know what was true about both these men is they both were lost. Peter thought he knew the way. He thought he was going to be able to get to the Father himself. You know, Thomas is asking for Jesus to, to show him the Father. And the profound statement that Jesus makes to both these men who are in darkness is he says, I am going. Not even you right now. I am going to prepare. Someone needs to hear this this morning. To prepare a place for. For you, The whole thing happening at the end of this month on, on getting people engaged and, and connected to, to serving here, that's just a small entrance point into a way greater reality where somehow through us walking together as a community, confidence would come into our hearts to know that each and every one of us are history makers and that there is a place for us in God. In the Father. In fact, he said, if this wasn't true, I wouldn't have told you this. He's not a man that he should lie. This is some of the most real stuff than than anything else we could even imagine when Christ is talking about this. He said, in my Father's house. There are many mansions. Now, to give the proper translation there, we think, oh, I can't wait for my mansion in glory. The word mansion there literally means room. In my Father's house, there is room for you. There is space for you. There is margin for you. And I believe that there is an awakening coming right now to the body of Christ like like we, we're, it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. I'm, I'm just going to say this, it's already happening in me, it's happening in my wife, it's starting to drip out into some of our team members, it's on, it's happening right now. And I believe that no matter what we've walked through, the darkness that we've been in, I'm going to give some context to that reality today no matter what we've encountered, no matter what's gone down in our lives, we are going to get to where God has already gotten to with His Son, and He is going to come lead us by the hand into that place. Nobody left out. No one abandoned. No one sidelined. And we're going to tear down some, some lies today as we look into the Word of the Lord. You remember last week, I was talking uh, about a good and hopeful future. We're going to get some more of that in our DNA today. That was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, by the way, in the Old Testament. That God knows the plans that he has for you. They're good plans to give you a future and a hope. This is the word of the Lord to our hearts today, and this is what he wants to do to inspire us on the inside. Now I want to I want to back up. I, if you weren't here last weekend, I encourage you to go and listen to the message. But I think sometimes to, to go forward in the Lord, we have to sometimes take take a couple of steps back. So I was giving you guys some mess, some, some scriptures out of Genesis, latter part of or middle part of, of chapter one, but I want to go back a little bit this morning to, to verses three and four, and I want to read this, this to you as we start out. The Lord speaks in in verse 3 of chapter 1, and he says, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, verse 4, that it was good. Everybody say good. Come on, everybody shout good. So he said, let there be light, and when he saw the light, he said that it was good. And then he divided the light from the darkness. When I was talking last week about what's the big idea for our lives, this good and hopeful future, I mentioned how Harbor is a collective community. It's transformed people, transforming culture. And that's just not a cute saying. That means that this city is going to be one of the greatest places on the earth to live. Oh, man, come on. This city is going to be one of the greatest cities on the planet to live. Come on, somebody say amen. Transform people, transforming culture. I talked about the big idea that I've discovered with my life, to, be, to communicate, to create, and to commission. In other words, to be a voice, to create culture through leadership, and to, to find others that, that have these marks on their lives, thousands, thousands it will be at the end of, at the, end of the day for us, that, that are going to be identified and resourced and ultimately empowered. It's going to be a lot of fun as we move forward from here. But here's what I, wanna, I want you to know. The enemy is terrified of the big ideas of God. When you start to really dream and tap into those kind of things, when you start to go, man, my church is not just about showing up on Sunday, It's about seeing a city transformed. That sends terror into the hearts of our adversary. When you start dreaming and going, man, maybe my life is a little bit bigger than what I thought it was in the Lord. Maybe I'm a history maker as well. Little old me. If you go and study, listen, you got to start doing some historical research on people that left a mark on the planet. And you'll find out that they were some of the more simple people that ever lived. That just went ahead and grabbed a hold of God by faith. And the Lord began to use them to confound the minds of the wise. He's not looking for the most qualified. He's looking for the most available. And, and, And this is what the Lord is up to. So when you start getting those God ideas, when you start to define over time, it's a process. What the Lord has for your life. Terror comes into the heart of the enemy. But here's the deal. He tries to spin that terror back on us. He tries to take the darkness that he feels when the light starts shining in our hearts and reverse it and get it to come right back on us. But we need to understand, I said this last weekend, that he has been stripped of his authority. We see this in Genesis chapter 3 verse 14. The Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. Now, you need to pay attention to that word right there because some people in this room have felt in the midst of their darkness that maybe their life was cursed. And we're going to straighten that out this morning. We're going to get some, some realignment with our, with, our, with our truth meter up here in our minds, and we're going to let God come and pull down those things that have held us back. You are cursed more than the animals, domestic and wild, and you will crawl in your belly groveling in the dust as long as you shall live. So he's the one subjugated to that kind of life. Not us. Are you following me? He is the one that has that as his portion. Not us. He is the one that is doomed to a not so hopeful future. Not us. See, he tries to project what's on him onto our hearts. So The only mechanism that he has to get any authority in the world whatsoever is to fabricate or um, counterfeit the truth of God. He's not a creator. Do you understand? He has no power whatsoever to create even as it relates to truth. So he takes everything that's been created by God and he counterfeits those realities and spins them as lies. And he tries to get us to buy into this belief system. And that's where the battle is taking place, my friends. It's, it's really in the realm of belief. And we can't muster up our own faith. We have to grab a hold of God's, like Samuel was saying. It was beautiful. And this is, the, this is where the war is. We saw it last week, Genesis 3, verse 15. He says, I will cause hostility. It's a hostile environment right now, but it's fun for us because we know how this thing ends. Right? When you're working from a place of victory, there's a whole lot more rest than working for it. Oh. When you know you've already won, there's a whole lot more rest in that place than wondering how this thing's going to play out. A lot of Christians are exhausted doing good things because they don't know where they're already starting from. From love instead of for love. From favor instead of for favor. From victory instead of for victory. So the hostility here, he says in verse 15, 3 verse 15 I will cause hostil- hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her ho- offspring. It's talking about the belief systems of the enemy, the belief systems that were established by Jesus and we're children by the ones that we buy into. You see that is our that is our sonship or daughterhood. We we we're, we're children of God, created in his image, but we're aligned with the family because we believe what he said. Ooh so this hostility, the word there literally means conflict, opposition, resistance to a thought or a principle. This is where the battle is raging. But Like I said, we know where this thing ends up, and that's where the head of the enemy is underneath the feet, the heel of Jesus. Boom, right there. That's where it's, that's where it's at. That's where we start from. Do you understand that? So we start from there. But... To align with that reality, we need grace to truly repent. Mentanoia, change the way we think. And then out of that, a generation will be empowered to be in the same position as Jesus was. Ooh, this is really, this is really good. It's here. The enemy's under the feet of the adversary, right? But we need to repent to align to be in the same place as he was. Now, this is a mystery. We think, well, Jesus just did all that. Yes, he did, but he did it as an example for what was possible for us. Scripture, Darren, New Testament, here it is, Romans 16, verse 19. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. There your mindset has aligned to truth. It's right there. This makes me very happy, Paul says. And I want you to be wise. There it is, a thinking uh, word right there. In doing right, to stay innocent of wrong. This isn't like trying not to sin. Oh, I don't want to sin today. God, please don't let me sin. Don't let me uh, hide me in a closet. Oh, maybe if, if I just stay away from people and all temptation, I won't oh, white knuckling it. Oh, no. It's aligning with a belief system. You gotta start there, and then you gotta you gotta work up your capacity. Is the more you believe, belief results in actions. If you go the religion route, you're gonna be exhausted. Just trying to do it because you, you, you hope it's the right thing to do. And he says, when this thing happens, verse 20, next following verse, then the God of peace will crush Satan under. Oh, boy. Now we're dangerous when that starts to take place. Until then, we're kind of sidelined, nice little Christians going to church on Sunday, trying to do our Sunday best. Throughout the week, completely frustrated, completely exhausted. So I want to go back just for the few minutes that we have remaining. We're going to sing that hallelujah song. We're just going to release something here this morning. But, but, but in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, as I read to you at the beginning, when God said, let there be light, and there was light, And God saw that the light light was good, and God divided the light, light from the darkness. Now, with no show of hands, when you were a child, did you ever experience the fear of darkness? You didn't have to answer. All right. What about now? Are you afraid of what goes bump in the night? I think... For most people, the answer probably would be yes. But why? What's the cause of fear in darkness? Well, first of all, you can't see anything. That's a little scary, right, when you can't see. We like to see. Anybody else out there like to see your tomorrow super clearly? Like to see 10 years from now, 50, 100, see how things are going to play out, know exactly what's going to go on, what's going to go. When you can't see and you want to have control of that, it can get a little scary. And when you can't see, it feels like you're alone. Now we're going somewhere. Did you know that when the sense of sight is eliminated, it heightens the other senses, smell and hearing primarily? You ever been in a dark place and what you wouldn't noises that you wouldn't even have noticed? You're like, oh my God, what was that? Right? Oh, gosh. It's like when we sit on the back porch in the morning with Mia. She's come out of the house into this whole new environment. And it's not dark in that sense, but birds and wind. And she's just, you know, she's like freaking out. Our little dog, by the way, that's who Mia is. Our little Maltese, our little white flea fluff. Come on, somebody. She's just like, I just see her. She's trying to see, trying to figure it all out. What is that? What was that? And when you feel alone, because you can't see, there's an emotional desperation that comes to try to make sense of this unfamiliar environment of darkness, and then when you're in that space, you are vulnerable to what you're hearing. And you see, it's in those moments of darkness, when you feel alone, when you don't have it figured out, that the father of lies comes, that the voice of the accuser comes to counterfeit almost all the time what has already been created. Now here's the twist. Here's the crazy thing about this is he usually will use the truth of God's word and twist it into a lie. I was sitting with a, a, a doctoral psychologist last Monday this last Monday on a whirlwind trip to Dallas that completely changed my life. Oh, gosh, I'm still just reeling from this 24-hour setup by God to go down and think I was going there for one reason and went there for a whole other reason. But he was saying how in his practice, there's two main people groups that he sees and tries to help. Believers, churchgoers, And pastors. So I I asked a little more. I just dug a little more, and he said, "Man, the brokenness of the heart because of lies believed in the in the community of the redeemed that has become," he said, "such an unsafe place because in darkness and in feeling alone and isolation and a spin of lies being spun." People have gotten really broken. I was like, man, that's got to change. Like, that's got to change. We've got to get the family healthy again. Because there's trauma to, to believers from messed up leaders, and there's tons of trauma on beautiful leaders like myself and Wendy and all our team, from trauma caused by people sitting in the pews. It's a truth. It really is. It's not super safe because of what I'm talking about. So we take this counterfeit truth and we filter it through a distorted lens of hearing a lie that was a truth twisted. You know, Paul said this. He said, "Listen. In 1 in 2 Corinthians 11:14 he said, "Listen, I'm not surprised. Even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of what? Not darkness." An angel of light. Hmm. And again, what was meant for the enemy, he turns and takes that truth and tries to put it on us. Back to Genesis 3.14, where God says, you are cursed. And then when you're in darkness, come on. Anybody else have been in a place where you feel like you're a failure or your life has fallen apart or those days when you're like, my God, it's like the whole world is ending today? Anybody else go through that besides me and Wendy? And you're just like, what the heck is, you just, man, it's like, you know, it's bad, it's rough. And then, man, that voice comes and says, well, maybe you're cursed. Maybe you just, maybe there's just not a really good plan for you. Maybe God left you out of this equation. If you even look historically over nations, There's been statements made about people groups that have struggled in human history. And theologically, coming from the church, there's been statements like, well, maybe they're just cursed. Do you know how painful and broken that theology is? Do you know how much more hopelessness that puts on somebody that's living within that context? Maybe the inner city, maybe whatever realm of society where they feel like, man, am I ever going to break out of this? And the church is saying, well, maybe you're just cursed. That's not the Lord's word. Come on, even Jesus, in the moment of his greatest darkness as a human being, he felt alone. He felt abandoned. What are you talking about, Darren? Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't alone, but he felt alone as a human. So he connects with our feeling alone in the darkness. And I guarantee his mind was being bombarded by every lie from the pit of hell. Come on, we know that because when he went out to the wilderness, weakened by not having eaten or drinking for 40 days, what did the enemy use against Jesus? The word of the Lord. Truth twisted. Other people throughout human history, the psalmist writes, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you far away from me when I groan for help? Think with me. In the ministry of Jesus, where did he spend all of his time in darkness, in dark places, with people that lost their way and felt alone and were completely deceived by other voices. The prostitute, he was in the getterings. He was with people that were ostracized. He was hanging out with Samaritan women who the Jews would normally have nothing to do with. If Jesus was spoken into the darkness in Genesis 1 and he lived in the darkness 2,000 years ago, why would he not be in the darkness of where we've been now? So here's three things as we sing this song. Number one, you have to understand that you are not alone. No matter what you feel like, no matter what the adversary is saying to you, you are not alone. In fact, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. It does best in the midst of the darkest places, even in our hearts, even in our doubt, even in our fears. Jesus is all up in the midst of those dark places. That's what God does best. You are not alone. Remember Jacob? This one destined to be the the, the one who was going to give birth to a nation. Did he feel confused? Man, he's striving for his birthright. He's trying to win this wife. He's, man, he's being chased and hunted down by his father-in-law. Probably propagated by the mother-in-law. Can I get an amen? Here we go. It wasn't until the veil was lifted in his darkness and he said, surely God was in this place. He wasn't cursed. The second thing is God is good. John, first John chapter 1 verse 5, almost done. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him whatsoever. And anything that tries to tell you that he is not good, you send that thing right back to the pit of hell where it belongs. What about this last one? We belong to him. God divided Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 the light from the darkness. And 1 Thessalonians says in chapter 5, verse 5, he says, for you are all that come into alignment with this belief, children of the light. And we did not belong to the darkness or to the night. Well, I'm from the inner city. Well, I'm from a poor family. I've been scratching a living or whatever way for all these. God's forgotten about me. That's a lie. You are not alone. And God is good for you. And you are a part of him. I'll end with this verse. I love this one. Because this brings everything into alignment. Galatians 3 verse 13. For God has rescued us. Come on. And this is why we're going to sing hallelujah as we close today. God has rescued us from what? Come on. God has rescued us from what? Oh. For he was hung upon a cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is ever. Come on, we're going to sing. I want you to stand with me. Some of you need to quit going back into the past. Into a darkness that you were in and trying to figure out what in the world was going on there. Trying to see. Why did that happen? Instead, what you need to do is just get all up in that place that jesus has reserved for you that room where you are welcome and let the light in fact it says this is so amazing it says that that new city they won't even need lights there because he will illuminate the city so can you imagine not having to flip on a light switch because jesus is just somewhere in the vicinity You can't even run into some little corner of darkness and feel all bad about yourself for the things that you've done. You need to break out of that now because that's how you're going to be living in the future. You're going to be living in the existence of God's light. He, by the way, when you were in that darkness, was all up in the midst of that room that you had made for yourself. And when you couldn't see Jesus, trust me, Jesus was right up in that place with you. Oh, Darren, I can't comprehend that theologically. Listen, the Father never came down the darkness, but for sure he sent his Son into it. On, let's look this up. Let's just... Come on. There's like praise that happens when we, when we discover the gospel. When we discover what Jesus has done.